Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back to another exciting episode. Welcome back. This is another one of those episodes that I've been looking forward to. We're going to be talking about magic. I do love talking about some magic. Mm-hmm. We'll be going into the minutiae and uh, why you might like a particular school of magic. That said, we had a poll. Uh-huh. And all of you guys uh-huh. made a choice. Man, many, many of them did. We had, you know, two other really great schools up there. Schools that, I mean, just some people would say were particularly neat. Yeah. But uh-huh. did we talk about... No. Uh, Entropy. Now the vote is the law, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Gotta go with the vote. What the people want. And the people and want... want to scare people out of their skins. And yes. And make them sleep forever and turn Curse them into them. stone and jug. So fine. Turn, turn them into toads and put them in the pot. That's definitely a thing you can do in this game. Yeah, that sounds like a reasonable Dragon Age ability, except, you know... Except maybe in all the ways it's not. Unless yeah. you're a shapeshifter, which you can turn into a frog. You but, could you know, be the toad in the pot, but that sounds like bad life choice. That's a discussion for another time. Because today, uh, the poll, of course, won out with Entropy getting nearly a full 50% of the votes. <laughs> getting more votes, I think, than all the other than the other two combined. Which is sad, because the other two are nice. It was the close. It'll be neat. I'm looking forward to talking right. about it. Right, Pri- uh, Primal won out uh, from Entropy just barely last time we had this poll. So next time we'll just be going between creation and spirit. We'll talk about blood magic when we do the blood mage, but we've got some things to get through first. Mm-hmm. First, we got to do the entropy. One day we'll talk about blood mage, uh, blood magic, and how it's surprisingly similar. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Well, we'll we'll touch on that, but. Uh, first, of course, we want to give a shout out to another uh, one of the wonderful podcasts that we have on the D20 Radio for on the D20 Radio Network, the Gamer Nation. Uh, this episode we're sending to a, po- a podcast that clearly was made with some love. If you have not heard of these folks, uh, you it's they're they're a delightful treat. The Roll for Initiative podcast is about is a podcast about the advanced Dungeons and Dragons uh, first edition, also just called First Edition D and D. The game they talk about is from the 70s, but it is clearly still beloved. Oh, that's that's important. Yeah, AD&D, like, I, the reason I'm into gaming is because my dad mm-hmm. got me into gaming when I was little, and he played uh, AD&D mm-hmm. back in the day when it came out. So, oh, yeah. I mean, we all kind of owe a whole lot to that particular game set, but... I have, a, I have a fondness for it deep in my heart, so well done, all, all who are involved. Oh, yes. Uh, most recently, the hosts DM Vince, DM Matt, and their, in their own words, semi-permanent guest host, Crispy, uh, talk, talk about uh, starting a campaign and how they like to approach it, which is always a, good, always a good thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even really matter what game you're playing in that case. Oh, yeah. It's just good to know how to start. We're big fans of Session Zero. Oh, yes. Very oh, yeah. important. Before the game gets started, know what it's going to be about. Get together with your friends, and especially if you're going to play AD&D, you should probably listen to these guys, because they'll have a more informed opinion about that uh, than I will. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely AD&D, worth looking into if you haven't. Go show them some love. Mm-hmm. 
So, unfortunately, this time we have not got any news for this week in Thetis. We're keeping our ears to the ground. Faces of Thetis, we believe, is incoming to some degree, though we don't know exactly when. Uh, we know that, of course, that the book, we, I think we've mentioned already, the book is finished, but that it's going to Bioware for final approvals, and then it's going to get sent to the printer, and then we'll finally get our hands all over, let's see, get our greasy little Bioware fan hands all over mm -hmm. all these cool characters. Yes. So, uh, until then, we're going to have to uh, talk about the game we've already got, which there's already plenty to talk about. So, why don't we go ahead and consult the Codex? You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a lot of questions this time around, partially because I unfortunately lost a couple questions in the pipeline, and I'm hoping to rectify that mistake, get everybody back in together, and answer all these questions that we've had in our backlog, which we still have. And, you know, we're actually starting to run out of that backlog. We should probably talk to Andy about getting more questions. <laughs> I'm sure he'll well, have a uh, We're doing it now. Question. Send us more questions. Yeah, of course. Uh, first. Even if you're not Andy, you should definitely send it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I might even just find you on the various forums and be like, hey, can I use this? Because that's mm -hmm. what I did with a couple of these. Um, <coughs> first, uh, from Steely Bran on the Green Ronin forums. I'm kind of looking into making two glossaries. One for general knowledge and one for mage knowledge because they get the most internal points of knowledge. Uh, I don't want to overwhelm myself either. Let's see. Curious as to which uh, uh, items a group of individuals who have no experience playing the game should know uh, as people who grew up in the continent of Thetis. Thoughts mm. and advice. Okay. Wow, that's a good question. Uh-huh. The... This is uh, extremely good for anybody who's bringing new folks into the Dragon Age RPG who haven't played the video games, and there's going to be plenty of those folks. Well, and honestly, I think this is useful going the other way as well. Mm -hmm. Those of us who have been through the entirety of the games and the DLC for all the games, it is important to delineate what you know from what your character should know. It's a very good point. Just because you've, uh, you know, delved to the end of all the Dragon Age DLC doesn't mean that your character is de is not a Freeman of Ferelden. Yeah. They don't know all that stuff. So what do they know? They, yeah, I think this is uh, really useful. Mm-hmm. That said, I think it depends very much on where you grew up and with whom. Very much. And what the current times are, what the current timeline is. Like, if you're in the middle of... If you're in, like, uh, goodness, um, I don't remember what the name of the fourth age was called. Um, but, like, the, you know, the age where uh, the fourth blight took place. Uh, goodness. Yep, I don't remember what it's called. Maybe it was the Steel Age. Uh, it was just before the Kunari showed up. That, 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 that was fun. But um, um, it's probably going to depend on the era. It's going to mm -hmm. depend on what you want to focus your game on. And, of course, it's also going to depend on what uh, backgrounds your players, your characters have taken. Yeah. Uh, for example, like Andraste and the Maker, pretty much everybody who has anything to do with the Chantry, so pretty much everybody mm -hmm. who isn't actively a dwarf who Whether lives they underground. Like it or not. Literally, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know Pretty, pretty much the story of the Maker and Andraste. Oh, yes. Because that religion is so widely spread and has mm -hmm. such a strong hold on the entire continent. That That's true. There's no way you don't know that. Mm -hmm. Even if you were raised a Dalish, you may have less of a grasp on it, but you'll, you've probably heard enough about the Maker and have heard the name Andraste and have a general idea of what happened there. The human missionaries would have been glad to share as much with you as they could. Yep. 
Uh, the ma- like things like the Magisters becoming the first Darkspawn might be a little bit less well known. Less well known, but uh, perhaps more nebulously understood as uh, it's Deventer's fault we have the Darkspawn. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Folks, might you know, folks who are you know very undressed and might know the story about how uh, the magic, the ancient Magisters uh, sought to usurp heaven, and when they touched the Golden City, it turned black with their sin, mm-hmm. and they were cast down as the first Darkspawn. You don't necessarily have to know all that. Just get a general idea of... Tevinter's awful. Although I imagine if you grew up as a circle mage, you probably know this story better than your average Thedosian. It's true. Simply because they would want you to know it. They would want you to know that this is what happens to mages who overstep their bounds. Mm -hmm. They create Darkspawn and become Darkspawn and everything's miserable for everybody. Don't do it. You Um, are literally the worst. (laughs) You are the worst. You have the potential to be literally the worst. You made everything awful. You should feel bad. You should feel bad. Uh, Blights are probably, I mean, if you're post-Origins pretty Mm. much. Yeah. You probably, when you think of Blights, think of what happened in the most recent Blight. A couple years ago. But other than that, if you're not in that time or beyond, you probably see Blights as more of a fairy tale. Yeah. Terrifying fairy tale of the Darkspawn. Yep, legend, perhaps, mm-hmm. but yes. not... Especially by by the time Origins came around, I don't think there had been a blight for like 400, 500 years. Yeah, it had been a long time. People had thought that the Darkspawn had pretty much been wiped out. Yeah, so I mean, I guess if you're if you're in a time period where you're close to a blight happening, you probably know a little more about the blight than you do if you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bit more recently uh, would be the Wars with the Kunari. People would probably not necessarily know much about the wars so much as they would know that there are these... Uh, ashen-skinned horned giants who very nearly conquered most of the known most of the known continent unless you're unless you're from Tevinter. unless you're from Tevinter, in which case those jerks are still at war with us yep of course the kunari then are like oh you think we're at war with you that's cute that's cute we'll let you know when that's on yeah so there is a lot uh but those kinds of things, you know, the major religions, uh, where you come from, and probably how your character lived. Uh, you would know that magic is considered to be dangerous. Uh, you would know about the Darkspawn. Uh, you would know probably that elves are considered second-class citizens. Uh, you would and... know that a little too well if you're an elf. <laughs> and uh, you'd probably know that dwarves exist, especially if you live on the surface. So you'd probably meet some surface dwarves. You probably wouldn't know very much about them as a culture because mm-hmm. they don't really have much of a culture you know outside of, of orzammar that they're mm-hmm. just surface dwarves of course all of this changes drastically if you play like a dwarf an orzammar oh, yeah. dwarf mm-hmm. then you probably have much greater knowledge of the dark spawn you probably have much greater uh much less knowledge of things like uh andraste and the maker mm-hmm. but boy do you know uh about the paragons and you know about paragons, you stuff. know about the stone, you know about being recorded in the memories forever. You also know that the nobles are huge jerks. All the time. And those dusters are just the worst. No. Oh. Sad. Mm-hmm. So, that's the, I guess <laughs> that's the general gist. Is It's, it's going to vary a lot. Um, but the major points, you can probably look to like the, the opening of Dragon Age Origins, because you can also probably mention, you know, like the Grey Wardens. The Grey Wardens are pretty archetypal to Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Um, but going on... It does on, make it hard to make a glossary, though. It does. So, the glossary is going to very much depend on where 
your beginning and mm-hmm. where even you're planning on ending. Yeah, but, sorry we couldn't be a bit more concrete <laughs> for general knowledge and mage right. knowledge. Mage knowledge, I think you would want to put most, and well, really literally anything involving magic mm-hmm. would be mage knowledge or mm-hmm. diamond knowledge, but she's special. Uh, definitely keep that glossary short, maybe like two pages of stuff, because there's a lot of stuff in Dragon Age, you don't have to throw it all to them at once. Um, just keep it, keep it simple, keep it sweet. Simple is usually better, especially yeah. in this case, if you're bringing folks into a whole new setting, you can introduce the setting gradually as you go. Just get the stuff that they need to know for this campaign. And yeah. if they want to know more, they can always ask questions. Or play the games. Or play the games. Yeah. Who knows? Well, hopefully that helps your question. Mm-hmm. Attention, spoilers ahead. If you have not played Dragon Age Inquisition's DLC, you might be in for some spoilers. If you would like to skip those, you can head to the 19-minute mark. So, our next question, of course, comes from the uh, indefatigable Andy Klosky. Blackfall Press. Thanks again for this question. And uh, this is a good one. Uh, For those of you who did not catch the spoiler warning, whoa, be ready for it. Yeah, this is all spoilers. So, your question, Andy. Uh, Dragon Age is notable for its numerous mysteries still to be solved within the video game's canon. The Evanuris, the Old Ones, the Titans, the Fall of Arlathan, the Nature of the Blight, the reality behind Andraste and the Maker, etc. Have you provided any sort of resolution to any of these questions? How have these mysteries shaped your games? And might you, how might you use them in a campaign structure? Now, the answers to these questions are would have enormous implications for a game. And honestly, those the answers to those questions should be the focus of an entire campaign. Mm-hmm. If you want to take on any of those topics, they're going to change the face. Of, a lot of them are going to change the face of Thetis. Especially people start, like, you know, figuring out who the Evanuris were. Or and what they the nature were really the, about. Mm-hmm. How... They were what they were. Yeah, you could make a whole campaign around maybe like the PCs going on an expedition to the Deep Roads and accidentally find one of the one of the old gods, not oh, geez. before the Darkspawn find them. And what what does that mean? What's an old god gonna be like before that? You can and great uh, gratefully, I suppose we should be that uh, a lot of these questions haven't been answered by Bioware because that means that for your campaigns you get to pick the answer. Mm-hmm. Since we've already down a spoiler tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we've sort of touched on a bit sideways in our campaign is mm-hmm. the Evanuris. Yes. Simply because we've had certain characters being controlled by Valislin, mm-hmm. and our characters have come to realize that that is something that Valislin can mm-hmm. do. No one's expressly told them that Valislin were slave markings, but we still don't know uh... that so much. But we know that mm-hmm. they can exert magical control over other people, and. Mm-hmm scary yeah so i mean that's about as close as we've gotten to any mm-hmm. sort of realizations about the evanuris or anything like has that. that has is that public knowledge in brazilian oh no no i had a feeling it wasn't oh i didn't say a word i did the <laughs> research and then i shut my mouth Mm-hmm. because that's going to that's going to upset a lot of dalish yeah I, i'm i'm not an idiot i did enough research to know that ours weren't magical enough to actually cause any problems so there's nothing to worry about and then i just kept that under wraps <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we, we've done stuff with that. We still have no idea in the in game the how the fall of Arlathan mm-hmm. came about. Yes. But, um, uh, and, of course, our campaign is very heavily elven-based, so we don't even touch on the Titans. Yeah. And uh, the old gods of Tevinter are, you know... Shmeh. Shmeh. One, and Andraste one, the Maker, whatever. <laughs> we guess one of those old gods got killed a little while ago. Or Themiel. Yeah. Fifth Blight. 
you know, Grey Wardens handled it. That was cool. We helped. Yes. Uh, and it is worth noting that uh, several of these mysteries might be best if you leave them that way. Mm-hmm. Some of the Bioware creators have said that they do not intend to reveal the nature of the Maker. And I personally, I applaud that decision. That's probably smart. Yeah. It, it, especially because if you know the answer, it takes away a lot of, uh, a lot of the specialness of, uh, of, of Dragon Age because the people of Fadus don't know that answer for sure. All they have to go on is what the Chantry teaches them. And that said, it would be nice to have that knowledge for GMs mm-hmm. so that they could play with it a little bit. Correct. For storyboarding. I can see that. Like maybe we discover that the maker is not even a real thing maybe there is no maker mm-hmm. or maybe the maker is a, a super powerful spirit from the fade i've heard some people with cool fan theories that uh, andraste was actually a spirit warrior who was being possessed by the maker that's cool i thought that was super neat or i've also heard some people say that she's a mage which of course I like the chantry has also heard thinks is hilariously heretical well they're How not laughing dare you i'm laughing i'm not laughing <laughs> Um, but of course, things like that, they, a lot of those mysteries end up defining a lot of Thetis because mm-hmm. there's, because there's, there's no way for anyone to know. That means that people have, people will step in and come up with their own interpretations and those interpretations have created, you know, the chant of light, uh, and they've created the current Andrastian church. It's, it, it, a lot of it is built off of the fact that people don't know mm-hmm. and there's probably no way to know. Yep. Well, and by this point, a lot of folks probably consider it more of an allegorical thing than like uh, a specific. Uh, they're like they're more like uh, what are they called? Um, stories that teach you a lesson. Didactic stories. Didactic, yeah, yeah, that works. I mean, there's an actual word for it, but all I <laughs> didactic sounds a lot cooler. But uh, proverbs. Okay, there it. we go. Proverbs. Um, that being said, it is your campaign. Just. Be aware that some revelations may have very wide consequences for Thetis, and uh, as you start to go down the rabbit hole of maybe answering what the Maker exactly is, that could, especially you know, if people in Thetis start figuring out the real nature of the Maker, that could cause a lot of chaos. Just be ready. If you're yeah. going to change the face of Thetis, make sure you're ready to change the face of just, Thetis. Just adequately plan for it, and maybe let your players know that you're planning on pulling the rug out from everybody in Thetis. Could be fun, though. It could be fun. Who knows? So hopefully that answers your question a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, for our next question, here comes another spoiler warning. Attention, spoilers ahead. If you have not played Dragon Age Inquisition, The Descent, skip ahead to 24 minutes, 45 seconds. From Joe H. through our email, and I put this one off for a little while, Joe. Very sorry. I know that dwarves are immune from using magic, and they are the only ones that can normally work with raw magic stuff. But in the specializations of Reaver, Spirit Warrior, and Templar, how is it possible for dwarf to do as it seems that magic is required? Mm. Now, um, the magic ability can represent a lot more than simple spellcasting power. Uh, It can also represent an innate understanding about how magic works, and or an ability to use magic in small ways that are maybe a bit more subtle than actually casting spells. Uh, it can also be used to resist some spells, um, so maybe it can also be used to re- represent an ability to repel magical attacks, or even mm-hmm. just a simple understanding of how to turn it. Yeah, that said, it's, uh... It can be a bit of a stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but... given that, with literally one exception, no dwarf in recorded history has ever used magic... Mm-hmm. 
the idea that you could have a dwarf that is a spirit warrior seems to imply that they would have to be able to be connected to the Fade. In some way, yes. And that seems odd. Mm-hmm. It seems to fly in the face of a lot of things that dwarves are. Yeah. Now, I could absolutely see, say, uh, maybe a Templar, simply because Templars are much more based around things like Lyrium mm-hmm. and the ability to negate magic, and I could see dwarves working well in that specialization simply because they are also naturally resistant to magic. Mm -hmm. That said, specifically Spirit Warrior, warrior, but also Reaver, seem to require you to be able to tap into the Fade. And Mm -hmm. for creatures that that are so removed from the Fade that they do not dream, it seems like those should be almost restricted specializations. That's true. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, unless you want Mm -hmm. to be the most special snowflake. Right. Um... One other uh, one other answer for this could be that you know those specializations were available for any player to take in the table in the video game. So, I mean, yeah, just anybody could do it. Don't think about it too yeah, hard. You could just not think about it too hard, or there could be other justifications. Uh, those of you who have completed the descent have seen that the dwarves may not be entirely cut off, but are rather being blocked or simply need to seek a connection of some kind. At the end of the descent, Shaper Volta begins using magic, something she claims was a gift uh, the Titan gave to her. She also mentions that at some point the Dwarven people broke in two. What exactly that means is uh, is a currently a mystery. Uh, but I feel confident, at least personally, knowing that magic is not maybe closed off to dwarves forever, but simply out of reach right now. Hmm. And I, uh, I think there's something. I think they have access mm-hmm. to something that yes. would cause magic. I'm not sure if it's in if it's the you know what's beyond the veil or not. Mm-hmm. It might be a separate source. It might be. Um, and maybe, you know, because these uh, specializations involve tapping into some kind of power, uh, uh, some kind of outside power, it could very well be that it's not necessarily that they're looking for something from within, but find bringing stuff that's without. without. Mm-hmm. Uh, spirit warrior means bringing spirits to you, and uh, it has been seen that spirits can possess tranquil mages who have been cut off from the Fade. Yes, but so one would argue that they're not entirely cut off from the Fade mm-hmm. in that case, like... Simply, their emotions are being right. cut off, but they themselves right. are still going to be... Um, she, uh, Tranquil also can't dream. That is true, but I don't know. Maybe it's something that you can't be entirely cut off from once mm-hmm. you've been connected to it. It's true. It's possible. If they're possessable, then that certainly defeats the purpose of... of the, you know, the right of tranquility. The whole, sh- you know, thing. Yeah, maybe another spoiler for the folks who want to read uh, Dragon Age Asunder. That's a good book. You should definitely do it. We're already in a spoiler tag. You know. Yeah. Cool stuff. Go read that book. It's neat. Uh, but that book does carry the implication that this is the right that even like like actually cutting somebody off from the fade and taking away their ability to feel emotions and dream doesn't make you immune to to uh, demons noticing you, which means that maybe spirits could notice you and you could petition one to become a spirit warrior. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, the Reaver one is a bit trickier, because, but that's that's blood magic. Blood magic involving drinking the blood of a dragon. Um, I don't know if there's, like, magic inherent in a dragon or not, but blood magic does like to break a lot of rules. And Just don't not, ask too many questions. Right, and you're pulling the magic from the blood. You don't know. <laughs> I get, maybe one of the best answers to this is don't think about it too hard. If the players want to be a spirit, if the player wants to be a spirit warrior, reaver, or templar, and also be a dwarf, there's nothing in the rules that's stopping them. There's nothing in the video games that stops them. There's nothing in the tabletop games that stops them. Mm-hmm. Just let them go for it. 
If you want to get into the minutia of it, there's there's a couple justifications. As we said, like, Shape Revolta shows that it's not impossible for dwarves to have magic, just something's keeping them from it. Though be aware that any dwarf that does mm-hmm. these things is exceptionally uncommon. Indeed. That should probably be marked. Like, People this should, is uh, not normal. Mm-hmm. People should be very uh, surprised that a dwarf is being surrounded maybe by a, like a spirit's clo- uh, the cloak of a spirit. Because that's that's weird. That may be something your dwarf your dwarven character will want to hide. It's true, very true. The Templar one you could probably easily justify because they're specifically easy, about yeah. cutting off magic. That's easy, you know. Go for it. So hope that answers your question, Joe. Uh, and of course, we have oh geez, <laughs> buttons going places. Uh, Jeff on the D twenty Radio forums, you had a question for us. Uh, your question was regarding the Kunari. Suppose I have a player who wants to be a Kossith Ben Hasrath. That means that you're the people with horns. The Kossith is the actual term yes. for the Kunari race, etc. Uh, since there's no background in the book, would you suggest taking the Barasad background and adjusting abilities focuses on the table, or would you suggest taking another background that's more roguish in nature and changing the name? Now, the Ben Hasrath are definitely different from the Antam, so a different background could seem like a sensible solution. You, uh... But uh, a couple things. First, uh, you may consider that your Kossith may be hornless. Uh, David Gator himself has said that most of the Ben Hosworth were actually hornless, so feel free to play with that. Uh, Second, I personally am always in favor of using what we already have to make what we need, so I would only make a few adjustments to the Kunari Barasad background. Uh, Personally, I would replace the background's uh, basic bonus to strength with a bonus to communication. Course. Or maybe uh, maybe cunning. Or maybe cunning, or even dexterity. Mm-hmm. But um, being a member of the Ben Hasrath does mean that you're technically a member of the priesthood, and we've seen that the Ben Hasrath can be excellent liars, and that's actually how uh, Iron Bull got in, was they found out that he could fight and lie. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, members of any gender can become part of the Ben Hasrath. Even then, the Kunari kind of cherry pick what your role within the Ben Hasrath is based on your gender. Mm-hmm. So that that's, said, you that's can fun. still technically be part of it. Technically, you're still part of the Ben Hasrath. So the gender requirement might not yeah, be as strict. You can just take that part off. Uh, on the benefits table, I would replace the following replace the Constitution Stamina bu- uh, with Dexterity Stealth, replace Strength Might with Communication Deception. Hmm. As it is the Secret Police. Gotta be sneaky. Secret. Mm-hmm. So, that is our two coppers. And of course, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications from old episodes, or anything else, you can send us a message to podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Helopuff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's us. That is us. Alright, so, uh... We're going to be skipping the Dissonant Verses this time. we got a lot to talk about in the main topic, and we haven't found anything to talk about in Dissonant Verses at the moment, and perhaps that's for the best because there's a lot of stuff to get into uh, because we're going to uh, start stirring the pot. going to make a little entropy. Mm-hmm. And the main topic... Is it fate or chance?
best intro. Oh yeah. Ever. <laughs> that was that was confusing. Ever. Welcome to the main topic. Today's topic is entry magic. Get out your number two pencils and and all of your uh, curse and all of your cursing herbs, because we're gonna get right to it. We're covering the entropy school of magic. Entropy is the first of the two schools of matter. This one is the oppo- is the oppo- the uh, the opposing force to creation magic. This is usually not the first kind of magic people imagine when they hear mage, uh, but it is definitely the first kind of magic they think when hearing hedge mages, witches. Mm-hmm. Entropy is magic that calls upon death, erosion, and decay to create anew. All things end, but in that end is a beginning. That is the power that entropy calls upon, and it makes excellent use of it. People who primarily use it may be called hexers, curse mages, entropists, or sneaky witch thieves. I'm partial to sneaky witch thieves. I think it's a good one. So, what does entropy do? Entropy is almost completely offensive magic. Mm-hmm. But not the same way primal is. Correct. It's a bit more subtle and a bit more creative, I guess, than primal. Mm-hmm. While primal just blows people up, entropy magic brings people low. Yeah, this is the debuff school. Uh-huh. There are Big 20, time debuff. 21 spells in total. Full 17 of them are considered attack spells. That's a full 80% of the school is considered offensive. Uh, only two are utility spells, one of which is pretty much an attack spell anyway, but I think they added the utility because it heals you also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two are enhancement spells. Entropy sees its best use in combat or very <laughs> aggressive negotiations. I mean, there comes a point when you're just fighting and calling it an aggressive negotiation. But... Yes, indeed. Entropy is not kind magic. It's got a little. It's a little bit of support, but that's usually kind. That's of, usually more of a side effect of your magic than. I mean. The, the Wait, when you take vitality from somebody else and make it yours, that's like supporting. That's supporting you. <laughs> I, I feel supported. <laughs> I feel support. The pros of entry magic are bringing, fancy, bringing foes down is your jam. That's what you do. Some of the spells debuff foes while also buffing your allies. Or even taking uh, strength from your foes and giving it to yourself. Often they are resisted by tests that not many people are very good at. Uh, and they can also, uh, like, uh, making it's magic a, tests. Go ahead, make that magic entropy test to resist and see how that goes for you. <laughs> they also make surprisingly good story hook spells. Mm. Like, a sleep spell. A sleep spell is actually pretty dang hard to shrug off. If a person can't make the test, they're pretty much asleep forever. Things like uh, petrify. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Things that uh, perhaps get you stuck forever. And that maybe PCs have to go on a quest to find a way to break the spell or just find a powerful enough mage that can cast dispel magic. Not as common a spell as you think. Right. But even then, they had to break the spell power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could take a few tries. Now, the cons of entropy magic. And they are real. Uh, not a lot of damage potential. While you are going to be debuffing your foes and making it hard for them to fight, you're not really reducing their health. In a couple cases, the spells bypass the need for you to really drop their health. But if you're hoping to deal damage, this is not a good school to go to. No, definitely uh, look elsewhere for damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, some The spells somewhat rely on allies or more action on your part, as most of the spells create weaknesses in foes for others to exploit. Mm-hmm. Some of them will, you know, give your allies bonuses to hit, uh, or will give or uh, bonuses to hit a specific target. But again, that requires somebody else to step in and help you, or for I guess you to do it yourself. I, I guess you could 
jump in and start fighting people. This would or, be a terrifying uh, mix with... Uh, with Arcane Warrior? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or with uh, shape, the shape-changing. Oh, yeah, ability. you could you could do that. If you set yourself up well enough, <laughs> pretty nasty. Yeah, turn yourself into a bear and uh, mm-hmm. bear now, down on them. Unfortunately, many of these spells are what we, as Pathfinder players, call saber sucks. Yep, either they the fail the target number and they're hosed, or they make the target number and you're out the mana for no benefit. Exactly. So, it means that spell power is going to be particularly important, especially for a couple of these uh, talent trees, because you're going in all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there is the uh, <laughs> sticky little issue that when you're uh, stealing vitality from somebody and giving it to yourself, someone who's maybe not a trained mage or someone trained in knowledge of spells gonna look at that and might cry blood magic mm-hmm. you might get really they're not that wrong <laughs> they're not entirely wrong you're but you know practicing it wantonly is probably gonna get you a lot more negative attention than you want yeah so just be wary of that that hex is a very wisely. <laughs> a very real possibility hex wisely friends so let's talk about the spells because that's what we're here for uh first we're going to talk about the hex tree of spells vulnerability mm-hmm. hex Affliction Hex, Misdirection Hex, and Death Hex. All of these spells have awesome range. 20 yards for Vulnerability Hex and 30 yards for every other spell on the tree. Nice. 10 squares away or 15 squares away. And that's that's pretty phenomenal for any spell. Uh, all of them, however, except for Affliction Hex, are single targets. So they're less for battlefield control and more for uh, individual debuffing. Mm-hmm. Singling out foes. Now, these are meant to create exploitable openings for you and your allies. The first two are going to give penalties to spell power, meaning that your spells, or the spells of any mage friends you've got, are going to stick more often. This can even give you uh, openings to bring your foes even lower. So or if you you're can... working with a primalist, that's Ooh, just mean. That's just mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, the last two actually involve some stunt point manipulation, which is pretty nice. Misdirection Hex, makes it if it sticks, makes it impossible for the victim to generate stunt points while they're still under the effects of the spell. And that's that's mean. We've, I think we've been, had at least one or two of our characters under that effect. And mm-hmm. it's miserable. It's miserable. I roll all these doubles. That's and usually when, when the doubles come out, too. Oh yeah, that's when you roll doubles on every single roll. You just cry. Oh yeah, and everybody cries. Uh, Death Hex, however, gives your allies bonus stunt points when attacking foes, even if you didn't roll doubles on the attack. And if you did, they start stacking up real high. It's, uh, it's not looking good for <laughs> So if you get you both of them that. on there, you know, uh, your, your enemy's not getting any stunt points and your friends are getting all the stunt points. Now, uh, both of these spells are only going to last a number of rounds equal to your magic or until the foe shrugs them off. But they all require tests that your foes are unlikely to have focuses in. The first two only use magic entropy to resist them. Uh, you know, the ones that reduce their saves, their tests against spell power. Which is probably going to work out pretty well for you. It means you're likely going to have very little trouble uh, reducing their ability to resist spell power unless your enemies are also mages. It's true. Mm-hmm. And, or uh, even other entropist mages. But even then... Entropy is not necessarily a very widely practiced spe- uh, magic school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two also call for magic entropy, but allow willpower tests, which are going to probably usually be a little higher. Misdirection Hex uses willpower courage, which, you know, 
might come across, and willpower morale is used for death hex. That is not a particularly commonly used thing for player characters. For player characters, it's not. For PCs, uh, let's see, for, uh, for PCs, it's not. For NPCs, it is definitely more common because it's really mm-hmm. only used by NPCs. So, uh, GMs, take that into mind. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Death Hex and my favorite spell would be a terrifying combination. What's your favorite spell again? Telekinetic weapon. Oh, jeez. Free stunt point. Why? And let's make Pierce, Pierce armor, armor forever. Oh man, mages are mages are terrifying in this game. Mages Once you start scary. getting high up, uh, the next tree of spells that we call the nightmare tree it says daze, horror, sleep, and waking nightmare. These spells are all about controlling what your foes are doing, and namely stopping them in the tracks or at the capstone, making them fight for you. Hmm. These are excellent crowd control. They let you shape the battlefield to keep the fight turning in your favor. Uh, most of the most of these spells are saber sucks, meaning that if the foe resists the spell, your mana and actions have essentially been wasted. So very good to get a, d- a decent spell power, or invest in vulnerability hex or affliction hex to get those spell power resistance tests down. Mm-hmm. Now uh, days is very inexpensive. It only costs like two mana to cast, but it only lasts. The effects only last for a round. Uh, until your next turn. However, it has an effect regardless of whether or not the foe makes the resistance test. Good for low levels. Very good for low levels, especially once you start getting the mana discounts because then it costs one mana. Mm-hmm. And if you get stun points, it could be free. Uh, horror and Sleep are both all about stopping your foes completely. These both last until the targets can make their only last until the targets can make their resistance tests, which means they make tests every round and until they succeed, the spell sticks. Uh, let's see, foes with low enough willpower could potentially be considered to be removed from the fight. I mean, and not just from the fight. If you have, say, a spell power of 19, Jeez. and somebody has a zero willpower and no focuses, they're pretty much they're asleep be... forever. Or they're screaming in fear for the rest of their lives <laughs> until someone gets that spell removed, and that's, that's horror. That's, that's pretty messed up. It's pretty mean. Now, of course... You're an 18th level mage. You've got a spell power of... You don't want to know what my spell power is. It's not as high for this. Right, right. So I don't do this, but... But, Yeah, when you get into those high levels, this can get nasty. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sleep. Uh, Horror is a single target spell, but sleep hits multiple targets. But uh, if one of those targets does resist, they can remove it from their their allies by by causing them to take damage. Which, you know, could work out better for you than you think. That's because just trying to shake them awake is not going to work. They actually have to take damage to their health. Which means that at the very least, you'll get some people to sleep. Some folks will spend their turns trying to wake their friends up. Which means it could buy you a couple extra seconds. Um, now, let's see. Well, we're here. What we're all here for is Waking Nightmare. It is particularly insidious. Uh, spell well, you don't make a spell wake nightmare and then make it, you know, oh, yeah. not horrible. Uh-huh. It turns foes against each other. The spell clarifies that the target attacks your enemies to the best of their ability. Stun points, talents, and even magic items could be used in service uh, in your service to turn the tide in your favor. The spell also lasts until they can resist it, which can be a long time for low willpower foes. Also means you known basically as got a new possibly forever. Possibly forever. Oh, and if you've got them to sleep already, they take a minus three penalty to the to resist this spell. Which you can, of course, also stack with things like we, like, like vulnerability hex or affliction hex, oh. or both. 
Uh, how exactly your target acts when, uh, when they're not enemies of yours present is a bit unclear, but they likely remain under the spell until they resist it. So maybe talk to your GM about what exactly happens when you have no more enemies on the field. It could mean that they just stop fighting and that they snap out of the waking nightmare, at least. But they won't attack your enemy. They won't attack your allies because they're still under your spell. They may just sit there in, in horror until yep. they make the save or mm -hmm. another enemy shows up. You could just leave them there as one terrified sentinel. Ooh. This, Jeez. This it's is getting dark. This is getting dark. Um, this tree is powerful synergy with the Hexus tree as half of the tree gives foes on penalties to resist spell power and with these being so risky in terms of gaining battlefield control it could be a good idea to invest in a couple hex spells. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course we have uh, what we call the life and death tree which includes drain life, death magic, curse of mortality, and death cloud. These spells mm. are all about moving health up and down, namely yep. making yours go up while theirs go down. Yeah, so this would be the exception to our uh, general rule that entropy does not do damage. Mm -hmm. This is when entropy does damage. This is when entropy does quite a bit of damage. Uh, all of the all of the spells in this tree use Constitution stamina to resist it, which means that mm -hmm. particularly hardy foes like ogres or dragons or big thing or or big things like that are probably going to have less of a hard time resisting you. Which means that it mm -hmm. could that against smaller foes or more humanoid folks, or maybe folks who aren't major NPCs, these could work very well, just your mileage may vary. Um, drain life and death magic have both very short ranges, which means that if you're going to use your bread and butter spells, you're going to need to be very close to the fight. Which means you're probably going to want to have some friends around. or and some rock armor. Or, and, and probably some rock armor. Definitely some rock armor. Uh, however, they both have some decent synergy with each other. Because if you activate, if you've got death magic active, and you're casting drain life on your foes and healing them as you damage them, when they finally die, you get more health from them. Just, you know, have fun with that. <laughs> Does mean that you're going to have to be up in their arms, so just be ready for it. Yeah, but that's what gives you the health to lose. Exactly, that's true. Yeah, if they're not hitting you already, then you're there's there's no healing to be done. You're just going to, because, it, and of course, these don't make your health go above their normal, your normal maximum. Well, the nice thing is that this, if assuming you have a decent con and some rock armor, is that this can make you a pretty nasty tank. Uh-huh. If, if you well walk out there and throw these around and have a decent magic and a decent rock armor going. And start rolling some stunt points and getting some mighty spells. Yeah, basically everybody's idea is to attack the mage anyway, but they're going for you. They're not doing a whole lot of damage, and you keep healing by hurting them, and when they die, you get another burst of health. It's fun. You know, cool stuff. Uh, and of course, there's Curse of Mortality, which is a very nice curse spell. I just love it, the names of these spells. <laughs> some of them are pretty mean. So dramatic. Uh, curse of Mortality can potentially leave a foe unable to heal until the curse is removed, which can be a very big pain to any of your target's healers. Uh, not to mention, it does penetrating damage over time until they resist it. You haven't actually uh, put actually, this on anybody yet, and I'm glad because it would be a pain in my keyster. I've had a couple of terrifying ideas as I go through all these spells. I have dispel magic for you. So death cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, the capstone death cloud does a lot of penetrating damage over an area. Uh, it is very expensive, however. It do take a lot. To it do does. that kind of damage. It's like 20, man, 20 mana to cast the spell. It creates, I think, like a five-yard radius area of like 3d6 plus magic penetrating damage. If you resist it, you still take 2d6, uh, but you have to spend 10 mana every round to keep it going. Mm. Very pricey, but 
It is worth remembering that all of the spells in this tree deal penetrating damage, which means that it's all going to get through at least a bit, unless you're fighting folks with Master Degree of Armor training. This is also going to have a good synergy with the Hex line. Oh yeah. Because, especially because Constitution Stamina is often a high, a high ability. Mm-hmm. So having that penalty to spell power can make all the difference between them passing or failing That's the true. test. So, keep that in mind. Uh, next we come to the Paralysis Tree, which is Weakness, Paralyze, Miasma, and Mass Paralysis. These spells are all about penalties. Penalties for your bad guys. Uh, two of these spells give numerical debuffs, and the other two are powerful paralyzing spells, either slowing enemies down or denying any actions at all. Three of these spells are resisted with Constitution Stamina, but the first one, interestingly, is resisted with Magic Spirit. That's a little weird. I don't know if that maybe was a typo and it's supposed to be magic entropy, but there it is. Magic spirit. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, and then of course that one's weakness, which gives some solid debuffs. Minus one to strength and dexterity and a minus five to speed, which of course stacks with the penalty to dexterity <laughs> for a total of minus six to speed. Although its duration can vary because it, dep- it actually lasts a number of rounds equal to the dragon die result that you did when you cast the spell. Uh, the spell does still affect the target if they resist, just giving them the penalty to speed. And as a side note, as I thought about this while I was writing, GMs at level 6, characters usually add their focus to the degrees of success on tests. Um, maybe decide whether or not you get to add the your focus to the dragon die for the results of how long this spell lasts. And even for things like uh, how much damage the spell Arcane Bolt does. Because that one it's, also relies on yeah. dragon die result. It's not a bad idea once you hit level 6 because it keeps the spells sort of... In the game. Yeah, gives them a little extra oomph. Um, Paralyze does what it says on the tin. Uh, You're going to be slowing your foes to a crawl. Folks who fail to resist cannot move. They lose the dexterity bonus to defense, and they can take no actions until they get the spell off of themselves. They get to try and resist every turn. Uh, But otherwise, the spell lasts until the end of the encounter. Those who succeed have their speed cut by a quarter, which is still pretty mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is worth remembering that a foe who has their speed cut after resisting the spell is still technically under its effects, meaning that you can no longer cast Paralyze onto them onto a new encounter or someone dispels the Paralyze. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. You can't just cut their yeah. speed over and over right. again. You can't stack it. Spells don't stack with themselves, and you can't try and get them to have a bigger penalty. Mm-hmm. Because they've still already got Paralyze on them. Um Although some GMs may or rule that you know if you cast a new Paralyze that it might oh, supersede the original, but again, that might be like a table variation kind of deal. Yeah, either way, don't expect to be able to cut someone's speed by a quarter every round. Yes, that definitely will Doesn't not stack like with that. itself, but they might rule that like if they fail to resist the second one that they take the bigger penalty instead of the smaller one. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Possible, but technically they're still under the effect of the first spell, yeah. so... Technically, the, you can't stack the spells. already blew it. Yeah. So, GMs, you know, never never bad idea to think about those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miasma is a good spell to drop around yourself and your friends to give some penalties for engaging you in melee, uh, which gives pen- uh, penalties to a foe's defense and attacks. Which means that if your friends are sticking around you, you're going to be bringing them a little low, bringing folks a little lower... Uh, making them easier to hit and harder, and it's gonna make them harder. Uh, make it dig more harder, more harder. Really? What are you Har- trying to say? Harder for them to hit you is what I was trying to say. Okay. Trying so very hard. Points. I was effort. trying more harder. 
<laughs> you were trying more harder. <laughs> um, most hardest, even. Most hardestness. Uh, it costs mana to maintain, but it's actually really cheap for a third spell in the tree. It costs eight mana to cast, and only costs two mana per round to keep it up. That's not bad. And I think it's a six-yard radius from yourself. The miasma actually does follow you around. And anyone who steps into it has to make a test or, or you know, minus two to attack and minus two to defense. Nasty which strong your, spells. Which your friends might also appreciate. And then you can probably start casting things like Drain Life and, and Curse of Mortality or, uh, or Death Magic. You know, fun you stuff. You know. Fun stuff. Mix and match. Um, then we get to Mass per- Paralysis, which is a heck of a capstone. This is wild. This is This spell nuts. is absolutely wild. The spell is crazy. All enemies within 20 yards of you are hit by the spell. All of them have to make tests to resist. All Everybody is affected by the spell whether or not they resist. The spell is, only, uh, compared to regular Paralyze, it's only going to last for your magic and rounds compared to the single target, but the sheer number of foes you can hit with the spell is nothing short of miraculous. This is nuts, and I hope you're aware of that. Like, this would be the kind of spell that if the player decided to blow the mana on it, I would honestly give bonuses and penalties in, like, a mass combat situation. Yeah. Because that's... A, 20 yards is a lot of area. Since a 10... It's, like, 10 square radius from you, enemies are getting paralyzed. That said, I think this has the highest target number in the game. Mm. It's target number 21, which is... Nasty. I don't think, yeah. yeah. I don't think any spells go any higher I than target number 21. this is the highest target number in the game. Costs 22 mana to cast. Target number 21, not necessarily easy spell to cast, but man, once you get it going, you can turn a whole fight around. Yeah. This this is the kind of spell that changes the tide of, of whole battles. Oh, yeah. On a dime. Um, we and so I wrote down some notes for spells that were unique is from entropy spells that were unique to specialization, specifically spirit mark and lingering mark. But we're gonna save the discussion of these spells for the necromancer episode. Ah. We haven't gotten to necromancer yet, but we'll get to it later. And uh, it's there's just some cool spells. Yeah. Stay tuned. You'll just have to wait. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But while we're waiting, while we're waiting, there's a couple of spells from the entropy school that are actually unique to the tabletop RPG that were not in the video game. The, namely, these are the spells that are unlocked by you taking degrees in the Entropy Magic talent. Namely, Decompose, Hallucination, and Entropic Cloud. All of these spells require you to be at least a journeyman in the Entropy Magic talent, and Entrop- Entropic Cloud requires you to be a master in Entropy Magic. But it's apparently just really good. Oh my god, it's right. Uh, decompose does what it says on the tin. It lets you destroy a body, which can be good for sanitation, natural burials, or hiding evidence. I think it's like... Works really quickly, uh, though. Oh, yeah. It works super fast. You trace a little glyph on them, and I believe the body decays uh, at, like, it's like ten times the normal rate. What is it? Uh, Every second that passes is the equivalent of a day for the subject. Uh, In a minute's time, two months have passed. In an hour, it's been nearly ten years. So you can completely destroy... And it it never stops. Yeah, and it never stops. It continues forever until until the bones are dust. Until there's nothing left, uh, you can even if you put a glyph of preservation on it, uh, it halts it. <laughs> it halts it, but it but the subject will have already decayed within ten months by the time it takes to cast the glyph of preservation because that already that takes like, a solid minute to cast. So five like... minutes it takes five minutes to cast a glyph of preservation. So decompose, you know, it it's it's relatively inexpensive. It's not hard to cast. It requires a minute to cast, and if you've got 
some clever uses for it. Maybe if you're like an investigative mage, mm-hmm. or if you're a mage who's trying to cover some things up. Yeah, if you're hurt. trying to hide your crimes and your crimes happen to be bodies, mm-hmm. this is a spell to have. Yes. Um, next is Hallucination, which is very special in this particular adventure because this is the only spell in the game that lets you make illusions. Uh, it's the only way to create them in the Dragon Age RPG, and they weren't in the tabletop game, but it actually has been used a couple times in the Dragon Age lore. My favorite example is... Spoiler warning? As I was saying, my favorite example of this is in Dragon Age uh, Mast Empire, when... Goodness you know sake. I haven't read this book, right? Gotcha. Oh, dang. Probably shouldn't say it. But somebody uses the spell to make it look like somebody's not doing something. They use it to make somebody look like they're not casting spells. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. I like how you put up a whole spoiler tag. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then tried to spoil as little as possible. That's good. But the, <laughs> I can, I suppose, I can take it down. Um, but uh, you know, it's hallucination is a little expensive. The spell, and because you can, you can technically cast it. I think on like uh, up to your magic in like people that you can reach. Here mm-hmm. it is. Uh, it costs fifteen mana to cast on one person, but you can hit an additional target. Uh, for five mana, for five mana each. Mm-hmm. Keep so, in mind that it takes a full minute to cast, so it is not mm-hmm. really something you'll be casting in the heat of battle. That's true. That's right. Um, targets get a perception check to resist it, uh, and directly interacting with it, like touching up on it, is going to reveal it for what it is. But that's but you know this is the only way to do hallucination is entry magic, and entry magic is the only way to do illusions in the game. So if you want to do illusions, this then is your spell. This is your spell. Requires entry magic journeyman, uh, and it only costs free actions to concentrate on it. After that, you don't have to spend mana to maintain it. You just you spend the mana to uh, select the number of people that you want affected by the spell. Mm-hmm. And, and after entropy that, cloud, entropic cloud is baller. Uh, it just gives it gives you a really solid buff that hits an entire encounter, uh, and it lasts for the rest of the encounter. Where is it? Here we go. Uh, there's a 20-yard radius from your own body, which follows you around. Your friends get a plus two bonus in attack rolls and plus one stun points on all rolls that generate stun points. Enemies get a minus two penalty to all attack rolls and lose one stun point on all stun point on all st- uh, times that they generate stun points unless they make a magic entropy test against your spell power. That is pretty nasty. It's high target number 19, costs 20 mana, but you you, you, you cast it and forget it, because it lasts for the rest of the encounter. Mm-hmm. So, and it requires you to be a master of entropy magic, but you know, that's pretty cool. Well, target number 19 hurts, so uh-huh. be careful. And of course, with all those other spells that you're casting that are going to be debuffing enemies, it means you're just going to keep stacking stuff up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and denying them a stunt point does mean that it's going to limit their options of how they can ca- use their stunt points, which is pretty nice. And also, just a uh, a note of uh, caution, I suppose, because uh, one of the downsides to entropy is these absurdly high target numbers. They have higher target numbers than most of the other spells in the game, and more importantly, the spells I think in entropy have less effect on a fail on a, on a successful test from your Correct. enemy than other spells do. Mm-hmm. The temptation will be there to pump up your uh, pump up your magic at the expense of your willpower. Don't don't, don't. 
Don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. Don't be careful with that. Be very careful with that. Because because these target numbers are so high, that is also going to increase the likelihood that you're going to fail a chan- the test that you need to get your magic back under control and not throw yourself into the fade. So just be aware. You're going to have to try to find a healthy balance between increasing your chances of success with spell power and increasing your chances of survival when your spell power doesn't back you up. Magic's dangerous, and the bigger magics you get, the more dangerous it starts to get. And entropy is a big example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would be remiss to talk about this without talking about the entropy magic talent. We'll get, we'll touch on it a little bit. It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novice degree gives you a death sight ability, which this is, is cool. It's this curious. is legitimately cool. Uh huh. If somebody goes down to zero health, you can see exactly how many rounds they've got left. Um, this is probably not something you're going to use every day because in most yeah. cases, when a foe goes down, if they're just a regular old NPC, by the game rules, the, the game rules are pretty much just say, it's okay, they're dead. Yeah, also, um, with, there's a tendency for people, when they're playing with allies, to just sort of, you know, panic, be like, what's your con? And then they'll tell you, and then you'll know anyway. Uh-huh. So, uh, it can add some excitement and tension to the scenes if your allies go down and you've got Death Sight, you can see how many rounds they've got left. Mm. Uh, which, of course, also does create the implication that people don't know how long they've got before death, so GMs, feel free to kind of keep that closer to the vest. Yeah. Not really something that those, P- those PCs would necessarily know, so... Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument for if you've worked with someone for a long time or have done physical examinations of those people, you could hazard better guesses. hmm But I think, it's, I think it's almost worth, especially if you've got someone in the party with this spell, with this ability, mm-hmm. it's kind of worth having uh, a no, you know, no spoilers rule about mm-hmm. your... Uh, about how your con works. Yes. That, that, that will be hard to maintain because you're going to be rolling checks all the time and people are yep. going to notice. They're going to start figuring it out. Um, Still, it's cool, yeah, okay? Yeah, it's cool. It's worth keeping in mind. Um, the Journeyman Degree gives you ever-appreciated extra spell and mana discount on all your entropy spell. Classic. Let's never leave home without that one. Um, if you go to the Master Degree, you get an extra spell and uh, all enemies, your entropy magic is so pervasive within you that enemies who get up into melee with you take a minus one penalty to strength. Oof. No tests to resist, they just do. Uh, and that can be fun to stack with things like Miasma that follows you around, uh, that gives penalties to attack, and Entropic Cloud, which also gives penalties to attack. Now here's a question. Mm-hmm. But taking a minus one to strength, is that only in the attack? Or is that just as long as they are near you? or Because that will determine the, the power of this ability. It's true. Where did you go? Entropy magic. Uh, opponents making melee attacks against you. So okay. for a minus one, so only the when they're hitting you. Only when they're going for you. If they're going for somebody else, then your magic's probably not going to reach out to get them. No. So they have to be attacking you specifically. That makes sense. So, keep that in mind. But, you know, getting an extra entropy spell never hurts. Yeah. You can always spend a talent rank on that. It's worth it. More mm-hmm. spells. More spells. Always good. I believe they have to be entropy spells. Of Correct. course, yes. Yeah. They absolutely have to Usually be. Usually the case with those kinds of those kinds of talents. Uh, so I think uh, I think we've exhausted our, our collection of curses. Mm-hmm. We've uh, toiled and troubled plenty. I I feel I feel entropic. I summon entropy. Actually summons entropy. If you shout that in a crowded room, you will summon entropy. 
You might also, in a rather more balanced room, just summon a bunch of strange looks. Yes. You can also summon a lack of friends. You could also summon restraining orders. You could also summon police. Why don't we summon our show outro? <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, this is Rand wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thanks again for joining us. Kind of wish we saved this one for Halloween, but, oh, you know, yeah. it would have been pretty thematic, Dang but I, I'm sure we can get something to go. Anyway, yeah. thank you all for listening. We hope you all have an excellent time playing Dragon Age and exploring things. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.